Welcome to the I Create Daily Podcast. I'm Leora Alderson. And I'm Devani Alderson. We're your co-hosts on this journey of creativity and productivity. I Create Daily is for artists in every genre of creating, from musicians to writers, crafters to inventors, bloggers to entrepreneurs. I Create Daily is a movement for creators serious about your art. If you're into creating anything, this podcast is definitely for you. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Hello and welcome to another episode on the I Create Daily podcast, a movement for creators serious about their work. I'm Devani. And I'm Leora. Our guest today is a cellist, singer, songwriter, cheerleader, and mentor for other creatives. But it hasn't always been that way. In 2013, Emily Ann Peterson received a diagnosis that forever altered her two-decade livelihood as a cellist and cello teacher. Refusing to lose her life's love of musical expression, Emily Ann got curious. She began to bravely question and explore new artistic frontiers and broke through her creative glass ceiling through songwriting, which has opened the door to limitless possibilities for Emily. Emily Ann's best-selling book is titled Bare Naked Bravery, How to Be Creatively Courageous. And through it, she helps creators discover the true nature of bravery. Hint. True bravery never feels brave. In addition to all that, Emily founded the School of Bravery, a community and learning lab for supporting creative visionaries and entrepreneurs in growing through their challenges and discovering opportunities. All of these accomplishments (laughs) and progress were made possible by Emily Ann's rebellious, adventurous spirit, curiosity, bravery, and through a tailored and disciplined approach to performing and teaching, a gift from her classical training. Emily Ann writes for people who struggle to remember what hope feels like and sings to those who yearn for something secret. She speaks to those who are done being bored and crave all things beautiful, strong, sacred, and sensual. Her goal is to inspire a global resonance and magnanimous community through the marriage of art and whole person development. We're excited to discover more today in this conversation with Emily Ann Peterson. Welcome, Emily. Thank you guys for having me. It's fun to be here. Great. Awesome. So let's start at the beginning. How did you get into music? Oh, well, my mom is a piano teacher. So I grew up taking naps underneath the piano while she's having vocal rehearsals and things like that. Wow. Okay. In your blood. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I I picked the cello because she didn't know how to play it, actually, because I needed needed something that was mine. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that's where the rebellious spirit kicks in. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you were doing that for 20 years. So like from about when to when, age what to what? Were you so I started playing cello when I was in grade school. So fifth, sixth-ish grade um, in the U.S. And then um, and then all the way up until, up until now. But I was diagnosed with my hand tremor uh, in 2013, late 2013-14. So Okay, so we didn't yeah. mention that up front. So a hand tremor. So you started as you were playing or whatever, you started noticing that you were having challenges with your Yeah, right. so five years ago, I was diagnosed with this um, this tremor in my right hand. And it was a career halter, uh, for sure. The um, It was in my right hand, so it's the hand that you hold the cello bow in. And it's the hand that you need the most stability and um, relax when it's relaxed. And it just so happens that my tremor shows up when my hand is relaxed and extended. So um, that's exactly when I need to have the most stability in my hand and I didn't have it. So um, it really, it was awful. It, you know, like threw me through a, a really massive grief roller coaster uh because like i had spent the majority of my life and up until that point expressing myself creatively through this one creative medium um and 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 at that point i was making my full-time living and a good one at that i was making my full-time living off of this one 
piece of wood. <laughs> and um and every and it wasn't just my living it was also like my friends I knew because I was in a band because I was in because I was a cellist um or I was a you know lived in the exact apartment that I lived in at the time because it was next to the band mate that was you know in so everything in my life was uh, had something to do with this instrument. And so when my neurologist said, you know, Hey, you've got this tremor, it really threw things for a huge loop. And, and that's what, um, that's what actually, you know, triggered this like research project to discover what is actually bravery. Um, cause I kept reading all these, I, well, first of all, I kept hearing all of these stories from, or hearing, other people say, oh my gosh, Emily, you're so brave. You're doing you're just so great. You're so courageous. Keep going. You're just so great. And I, it was infuriating because I didn't know, because it didn't feel very brave. And, and that was really uh, curious to me. What didn't, um, what didn't feel brave? Um, the fact that you weren't able, like, what were they saying was brave of you and what part of you was resisting hearing that if that makes sense yeah they were basically saying now that you've had this diagnosis the way that you're handling the diagnosis you're being so brave oh, nice. and i wanted to give them my middle finger <laughs> <laughs> yeah so in a way you were doing it to um basically for survival to emotional stability and survival i would guess it's like I, I've got to do something, right? With mm -hmm. this, I've got to do something to. Yeah, I have to pay the rent, or I will get evicted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yeah. So or I will live on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very real. Very, very, very real. So, um, and and there was a lot of pressure and financial pressure. There was a lot of um, emotional pressure as well because there was because I had played, I didn't know it, but I had placed so much value onto this piece of wood that I expressed myself through. Um, and um, it, it, when people said, oh, you're being so brave, and I didn't know, I couldn't, hadn't, didn't have a great response to that. Um, I did a lot of research. I started reading a lot of books about bravery and fear and these kinds of stuff. And every book that I read just felt really vapid and vacant. And, um, and even like, although Brene Brown, like the queen yeah. herself is amazing. Yes. She's great. She's fantastic. And I can't wait for her Netflix special. Um, but I kept, I would finish her books and still feel like I didn't have what I needed. Like I would finish and go like, well, great. Okay, cool. Now I know that I need to be wholehearted or I, now I know I need to be vulnerable or courageous, but like really like tell me what I need to <laughs> tell me what I need to do here because I am like really floundering, you know, um, and I think, and that's why I wrote the book and that's why I continued doing all the research that I did because I realized this is, this answer has not been answered, is not out there yet, you know, like, um, and I was determined to find it. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so about how long was that process for you from when you were diagnosed to, you know, when you began to discover the, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, the road of opportunity into these new areas of creativity. Yeah, so I, um, you know, right around the time when, so six months after my diagnosis, I was awarded an artist residency to go live in the mountains of Leavenworth, Washington for six weeks at an artist community out there. Beautiful place, beautiful place. And so I had this luxurious, you know, like, I mean, it wasn't like a luxury retreat resort necessarily, but it was a luxurious amount of time that a lot of people in my situation don't get. Like you don't often, like when you're going through these brave 
moments like let's say you have to go through a divorce or you just got a cancer diagnosis or whatever you don't often get like okay cool here take six weeks off from your life like um so i um i recognized that and was really grateful for it and um when i got out there because i had originally applied for the residency as a cellist to write and record new music for the cello. And when I got out there, um, I explained my situation to them and they were very gracious and said, well, we don't really care what you do, you know, in your studio space, as long as you're doing something creative and have something to show for it at the end of the six weeks, you know, like, um, we're cool with that. You know, like if, if you need to take that six weeks to go do, you know, whatever you need to do, go do it, you know, which is so great. And most artists residencies won't like, aren't cool with that. Um, so I spent the six weeks that I was out there just writing other music and doing other songwriting. So I had done co-writing, co-songwriting, with other bands that I had been in and other, you know, groups that I had been part of. Um, but, but it was the first time that I, first time since really high school that I had like um, uh, really done solo songwriting. So when I finished that time, I was like, I came out of the mountains with this like handful of like pretty, pretty okay songs. And, and I realized, oh, okay, this isn't, these aren't these aren't like the greatest things in the world, but they're worth continuing. Like it's worth keeping going. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which of course we'll link here, emilyannpeterson.com. Um, and so, seeing you singing and playing guitar, seeing you at the piano, singing original co- compositions that you've, you know, well, obviously redundantly, but composed, right? Original songs that you've composed. Uh, when I just loved the um, Tides Turning song, the chorus in that was just mm. amazing, very haunting, and just such a poignant mm-hmm. message. So, was that real? Was that really something from your mom to you? Is that a story of you? Or That's that- a story about, I, lo- I love that you love that story. That means a lot. Um, um, that is a story from about my aunt's relationship with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So I, they were very, very close. And um, in the past like two years, we've lo- I've lost all four grandparents. Well, three, but the fourth one, we still are still, you know, like she's, she's got dementia. So, you know, we, it's, it's a, a version of losing her. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that when we were, when we lost that grandmother, I was, you know, going, trying to figure out like ways to honor that, honor her. And I realized that one of the, the most powerful pieces of her story was that, was her relationship with her daughter, which I think is really cool. Yeah, very cool. Now, we've got the words here as I I wrote down the lyrics, but uh, it seems like it would be more appropriate for you to say them or even sing them. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) If you would like to, if not, I'll just read that. You you say them. You say them. Okay. So it's from uh, Emily Ann Peterson's song, Tides Turning. Um, And the chorus is, Tides Turning, darling. I'm here to stay. Hold my hand and you can breathe that fear away. Mm -hmm. Just like what, you know, so along those lines, I mean, was that really your grandma's legacy to her daughter, your aunt? Or was that, is that your aunt? I mean, her daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My aunt is her daughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whether she said that, this is the beautiful part about being a songwriter, whether she said those words outright, or not is you know not part of I don't know that like that's not that's an intimate thing between them that I don't have the access to um, but I do have access to um, some of these stories that like you know they they were a pair they you know um, in in the in the I believe it was the fifties. My grandmother got a divorce, which was pretty unheard of at the time and a really scary thing to do. Um, 
And then she got remarried, which is also really kind of scary thing to do for, especially for a daughter who had experienced a, a previous father that was not exactly, you know, super right. sweet. Right. Obviously this is like family stories. So I don't. Right. No detail. This is like, these are details that may or may not be true. Um, so um, family lore. But I do, I, but I do know that my grandfather came back from the war. Um, one second, you're breaking up. Just and I'm not sure you're getting any bandwidth notifications. Mm-mm. Okay, so let's see how it goes. Um, you were saying your grandfather, I think, came back from the war. Yeah, he came back from World War II, and um, that just started this new family that just happened to come with a daughter already, you know? Um, and yeah, it's the, the rest of the story is, is just the, the, that the, the moments that you encounter as a mother and as a daughter, there are, there are those moments where you want to hold each other's hand and go like, I, the only thing we can do right now is just breathe because yeah. this is really scary. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. And I mean, so, and, and I don't know if you've like done this in intentionally, but it seems to me like through songwriting and through such, you know, a message like that, it's an invocation through the chorus mm -hmm. that you do though, sort of teach the concept of what kind of legacy we have the opportunity to leave our children through such simple, you know, affirmations. Um, Absolutely. Okay. You broke up again, but you're yeah. still with us okay cool yeah right. absolutely there's, um, sorry she was sorry. oh sorry go, go ahead. ahead oh no that there's um there's a plot twist at the end so if you haven't listened to the song yet go ahead and go do that and then the recording i believe that you guys posted that this morning on your facebook page yeah. the recording um with um, Ben Soli playing cello meant a lot to me because he is from Kentucky. So he's cellist, I'm a cellist, I love that, that's great. But he's also from Kentucky and my grandmother's from Kentucky. Oh. So there was that like melodic connection that I, that, that meant a lot to me, so. Yeah, yeah definitely, wonderful. We'll definitely yeah. that in the show notes as well. Sorry, do you remember what you Well, I was just going to say, it's, it's so beautiful through art, music, songwriting, your story, that you can memorialize that emotion and that connection. And so that, that music becomes sort of like a immortal legacy that they had together. That's, I just think that's beautiful. Yeah. I think as artists, we get a really unique opportunity to be historians. Mm. You know, we don't, I don't... I think sometimes the art gets kind of glorified for like, you know, like the emotional aspects of things, but there is a really cool piece that like, you know, after you die, that piece of art will live on yeah. in some form or fashion, you know? Yeah. Um, and which kind of, you know, makes it, makes it either adds more pressure or takes the pressure off depending on who you are, or where you are. Right. <laughs> Is what you put out there yeah. but yeah I love that we'll definitely yeah. put that as a shareable quote I think as artists we have the opportunity to be a little bit like historians that's great that's mm -hmm. a really poignant point mm -hmm. um, yeah and, and you certainly do that and you're you know you, so when you were a cellist active practicing cellist were you singing also I was trying to sing more but here's the thing like anytime I walk up to somebody and say, oh, I'm a songwriter. They go, cool. That's really great. This is Nashville to yeah. Seattle to whatever. They get the cool thing. I say, I'm, they get really excited. And, and the, right. I'm sorry, Milan, you broke up again just a little bit. You say, when you say I'm a cellist, they get excited. Yeah. When they, when I, when I say I'm a cellist, then that's when they go, Oh, they go, Oh, cool. I love the cello. It's so great. It's this wonderful thing. Um, which actually made part of the diagnosis really hard because it felt like I had lost the only thing that made me special, Yeah, you know, um, the only thing so, thought that made you special. Right, right, of course. Especially mm -hmm. in areas where so many people have, quote, so much talent, like you're in areas that are already saturated with 
singers, songwriters, musicians. So it's sort of like almost feeling like you get lost in the sea of everybody else who's special. And then the doctor <laughs> says, by the way, you can't do this one thing now. You're not who you are. You're yeah. not who you thought you were. Yeah. yeah. It's like mm-hmm. an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. It absolutely was. Yeah. Yeah. But even today when I say I'm a songwriter and then I find out that I also play the cello, um, it gets really difficult. It can get difficult to, um, or I have, I have had, let's just say, I have had experience with people then only wanting me for my cellist cello experience and not wanting me for the art that I'm currently producing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have to be careful how I introduce myself to people. Um, and especially right around the diagnosis, um, I was not saying, hi, my name is Emily Ann Peterson. I'm a cellist. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. And, and, all the re-identification, the re-identity process that you went through, you know, like moms do that when they, uh, they go from being like, I was a nurse, you know, who are you? I'm, you know, I'm Sophia nurse uh, to I'm somebody's mom. I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a housewife or I'm a whatever. And they're really, because we, we forget that we do tend to associate who we are with what we do. And of course, yeah, of course for creatives, it's like Mackenzie uh, said the other day, Mackenzie, what's his last name? Clinch. Clinch, Thank you. And he's, one of the writers in the I Create Daily for Creators Facebook group and community. And he said, when we asked people about why do you write, and sort of his response was, because that's who I am, yeah. you know? And so certainly as a writer, I mean, that makes sense. You're producing words. And so for you though, you aren't a cellist, you're a musician, you're a creative and creator. Yeah. So that was like the bridge that you had to walk across. Well, one of the biggest pieces that I got from that residency in the mountains was that I'm not just a cellist, I'm a musician. I'm not just a musician. I'm a songwriter. I'm not just a songwriter. I'm an artist Mm -hmm. and I have something to say. And so um, when you get to that point of I'm an artist, Mm -hmm. it frees you up to make art in any way you need to. So let's say for instance, this, the, uh, what was his name? You said, you said, Mackenzie. Yeah, if Mackenzie said someday woke up and lost the ability to write with his hands, um, he could still make art and still be an artist yeah. um, and still express himself. And, and, and I think that that, that is a, a really important piece to, to keep in mind because, and even as a business owner, this is really important as well. Like, you you can um it's it's funny i i now have like eggs in basket ptsd um, <laughs> because all of my eggs were in this one basket of the cello and so as a you know for business model reasons i now have like dispersed all of my income streams to many different income streams so it, it feels a lot better when like, let's say some, a client decides to move on and go a different direction or their time with me ends or um, a big project ends or something like that. <clears throat> I don't ha- like, I don't lose my identity yeah. when my client walks away, you know, yeah. 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 <laughs> or, or when the project ends and I have a lot of friends who um, like even songwriter friends who encounter what I call, and actually book book uh, like authors will encounter this too, is what I call post-publishing partum yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you've been putting all of your effort onto this one project yeah. and then after it's out and the launch is over and the marketing is done then what? Right. Who are you then? Like, that's such a good point. Especially, uh, especially if the launch yeah. goes soft. Right. Especially if it doesn't take off, and yeah. all, even all the more, which is often the case with new um, composers yeah. and musicians and writers and such creatives. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's um, and, and, and the more frequently you release things the more you're dispersing out all that effort and energy basically into this, this, uh, your eggs are in different baskets, basically. Um, 
since we're talking about it now, what are the different things that you're doing? What are the different business baskets and art baskets that sure. you're struggling right now? So my friend, um, Eric Branner, he's great. He's the founder of this app called fawns.com, which is pretty cool. Um, and he calls it in, an income quilt. Oh, cool. And every month your income quilt has squares that are shaped different sizes and different things, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I love that metaphor. It's a crazy metaphor. Um, right now I have, I have albums. So I have cello yoga it is actually a project that is online. I don't talk about it a lot, but it's there and it's passive income. Um, yoga? It's just instrument just instrumental cello music and it's just there for SEO reasons. So when somebody searches cello and yoga on Spotify, there it is. It's so um, We're both really happy that you yeah. mentioned it's there for SEO and passive income reasons because we talked to so many artists who resist the business side. So it's great when yeah. you have the savvy business artist too. <laughs> yeah. And, and the concept of putting things out yes. there for the sake of, um, exposure without mm -hmm. any expectation of that, that in, in and of itself yeah. is going to produce return. Yeah. Yeah. I don't put any marketing effort behind that music at all. And it's sometimes what's so funny is I have no ego attached to it so much so that at the end of the year, when I look at my numbers and I realize that like, wow, it did so well, but this other stuff that I put so much effort into didn't do so well. That's when my ego gets <laughs> bruised. Um, but it is, I, I highly recommend like, like unattach your ego from some of your projects. It can be really powerful. So I have that. Um, I also have my own compositions, which we've talked about. Um, I do speaking and um, performing. So I do corporate events and gigs for like Fortune 500 companies who want to do like kind of a musical TED Talk experience for their employees. Um, those are really fun. I really love doing them. It's essentially a house concert, which is a different that's another square on my income quilt. Um, and I have a book. I write. I do copywriting for people who um, need some help with their copywriting juju. Um, and that's usually just on by word of mouth basis. Um, and then I also have started a, this thing called the School of Bravery, which is for creative visionaries to learn how to get their brave stuff out there. So I work a lot with, um, it's a monthly membership, and I work a lot with people who have like really big ideas, um, but don't necessarily know how to get from A to B. Um, so we talk about the unsexy versions of things. So we'll talk a lot about like time blocking and time management and wait, which app should I use for this thing? And how do you release a podcast and how do you do this? And should I hire this person or should I outsource or like all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, that's so yeah. needed. And yeah. it's fun to do that within a supportive community of entrepreneurs. Totally entrepreneur artist yeah um because yeah because then you kind of understand each other you speak some of the same language and you know mm -hmm. you're, you're not in competition you're just rooting for each other that's a lot of what mm -hmm. the i create daily yeah. audience is about mm -hmm. uh, that was a great summary of those things i'm sure there's some things that i'm missing i also have a couple passive income things like um I have a research assistant who sometimes I'll just have her go and update the spreadsheet called the song, the savvy songwriter spreadsheet. Sweet. Yep. The savvy songwriting competition spreadsheet or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's basically every couple times a year, I will have my research assistant go in and update the spreadsheet. And then everyone who's subscribed to the updates gets updated on all of the, like the, okay, all of these songwriting competitions and all their deadlines and all the changes to the rules and everything. So, yeah. yeah. That's a great so, idea. And you, man, I just love how much you, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. I love how much you, um, 
you've expanded your creativity in a way that really serves like both your own enriched creative life and purpose and what you want to do. So it comes from a place like, I want to do this, but then also here are all these other resources for other creators because I know you want this stuff too. <laughs> and yes, absolutely. And that's an ex- a perfect example of that. That like I was, there was one year, I don't, this year my strategy is not leaning into the song petition there was a year where i was I'm gonna just apply to all see what happens um and the application process takes forever you have to figure out like one do you qualify two is it worth it three like um what kind of music are they looking for and who are the past winners and like when is the deadline and how much is the like it's expensive if you apply to all of them it's expensive so you have to kind of budget things out to kind of go if i'm going to actually do this i need to so all of that research just took forever and i was like surely i'm not the only person trying to do this <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of things that many artists don't necessarily think about that type of strategy and putting that type of content out there not only helps them, but enriches their brand because now they're not just an artist, they're an expert on their, whatever they're out doing, whether it's music or painting or writing, whatever that is, there are different lateral or verticals that you can put out that help other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And that, that to me just indicates that something you may not have realized when you were, uh, are you with us still? Yeah, you froze up for again for a second. Something you may not have realized when you were younger, and it seems like you've discovered it, is that, that I see laced throughout your journey, the entrepreneurial spirit. Oh so, my gosh. You know, right? Oh yeah. Lemonade stand as a kid. Totally. Yeah, okay. So that's not go. a surprise. So what, it was <laughs> obvious. It was more than because the other signs, you know, like we're choosing the cello and and uh, researching bravery, you know, when it is that you have this. So it's like always looking, well, that's not yeah. working. And curiosity, you know, that's not working and I can do better. I can make a better solution, certainly create a better solution for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just all these different monetary streams. I mean, that's so unusual and so fantastic and so essential for the success of creators, not just creators, but entrepreneurs and many people in general, yeah. freelancers, especially these days to have multiple mm-hmm. income streams. So a couple questions about that, if you don't mind. Yeah. And I will say before you ask the questions, I will say that the change from, um, cause I was in a service based only business model. So I was in here, let me teach you cello lessons hour by hour business model. Right. Let me perform at your function or your concert. I'm sorry. Can you repeat um, that last? Sorry, Emily Ann. Can you repeat that last sentence? Yeah. So, um, I was in, I was in a business model that was just an hourly based business model when I was diagnosed. And then, so that was five years ago and it's taken five years to get to where I'm at right now. And I'm still not where like financially where I would want to be, you know, where I feel like really comfortable um, and I'm sure I'll probably say that in three years, you know, <laughs> everybody does lifestyle creep, you know? Um, but I, but I will say like, I think a lot of times the online business world, especially tends to, um, um, pitch this, like you can do it overnight or in 90 days. And it doesn't, it's, it's a five year process. Like it takes five years to build any business, any business any business, like (laughs) I don't care what business it is. It takes five years to do it. So, um, and, and really feel like you've that, that of, um, of real, um, like you've gotten into a groove of things, you know, before you set into a rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think for us, one of the questions that we would recommend folks ask is like, okay, so, I mean, we're all impatient and we all want it here yeah. and now. And especially because our dreams are so pressing and compelling our desire to do more, to be more, to make a difference and all that, uh, to create all the many things that we want to create. Mm-hmm. But then the question is if at the end of the five years, if I don't pursue this journey, where will I be and how will I feel about it? Mm-hmm. So I get to the end of the five years. So, uh, so it's going to take five years. Okay. But if I, I'm going to get to the five years mark anyway, 
So do I want to have those five years mm. filled with every effort to achieve my dreams? Or do I want to not pursue it because it seems too hard and then where will I be? I love the meme. I see it every every couple months. Uh, almost any time that I need to see it, it pops up, which is great. <laughs> awesome. Um, but it's the, would you rather it be a, I tried instead of a what if. Yeah. And so you reach the end of the five-year period, the seven-year period, yeah. however long it is for you. And it's like, wouldn't you be glad that you tried? And now you know. Now you know. There's no like, well, what if it did work? Or what if it didn't? You know. Yeah. You have an answer. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. So on those income streams, uh, you said compositions. Um, and so what is the question I have on that is like, how are you monetizing for the compositions? And also, how are you, monet um, how are you getting the corporate gigs? So the corporate gigs are like the frontier for me right now. Um, the, the ones that I have gotten have been like word of mouth, which um, from what I'm gathering, um, the public speaking circuit is very similar to the music getting gigs circuit in that like you have to know people you have to have your ducks in a row you have to not look like a fool and um have an actual message to sell and you know and, and the music equivalent of that would be like does your website suck um do you have fans do you do you have a local draw and does your music not you know make me want to cover my ears. <laughs> um, and so, and if those things apply, then sure, we'll give you a shot, right? Yeah. But you're not going to get paid the full amount. You're not going to get paid like Lady Gaga does. Right. Um, you're probably going to have to do the gig for free. So there's a lot of, in the public speaking realm, there's a lot of similar kinds of, you know, ladders to climb, you know? Right. So if you're not a ladder climber, and that turns you off, then you might want to approach public speaking from a different angle, um, from a non-traditional angle. So, well, that's a good point too, because you're still you're being a creative, but then you're also sort of inserting yourself in somebody else's ecosystem when you go to do an event or a music for a corporation. You're still you're going into their arena, and their arena is the uh, prove yourself through the ladder system. So totally, it seems like it's a good avenue for any artist who still wants exposure to their work i have often said so i'm i'm gonna get it on the soapbox here so pardon me <laughs> um i it kills me when i see artists who are marketing themselves uh, who are underselling themselves and and marketing marketing themselves to people in a way that makes them not want to say yes um, so part of this is if you're an artist and you, you could market yourself to a business or a fortune 500 company in many different ways, you could walk in and say, hi, I'm an artist. Would you like me to put some of my art on your walls? Or you could say, hi, I'm an artist. Would you like me to teach your CEOs about sexual harassment? You know, or hi, I'm an artist and would you like me to help, you know, let's do a team building exercise, right? So then you're not a, then you're not a, just the artist itself. They're looking at you as like, oh, you're going to help us avoid lawsuits. You're going to help us, you know, with our bottom line, you're going to help us with, so those are the things that you can walk into a fortune 500 company and say like, Hey, yeah, no, here's my price tag. You, you, I deserve it um, because you've labeled yourself in a way that matches that value yeah. um, on their terms. Yes. Right. And that's not to say that your art by itself is not valuable because it is valuable, but they may not agree in their ecosystem. They may not agree that that's where they want to spend their money but they do have a gobs of money to spend <laughs> and they do think you're cool because you have funky glasses and, you know, like wear awesome turquoise jewelry, you know, right. but um, you know, or in my case, like I wore a jean jacket and had tattoos and I walked into this like fortune 500 company, you know, this bank 
yeah. in Atlanta and I'm like, oh, I'm wearing tattoos in a bag. <laughs> this is so weird. Um, but they loved it. Like the fact that you're different is the reason why they want to hire you. Yeah. But you have to be able to present yourself in a way that makes them want to hire you for that function. So again, it's like going back to doing the research of like, okay, what are these, what is this company that I'm pitching myself? Like, what are their values? What, what is important to them? And how can I offer that in my style? And what do they need? Yeah, because they're basically, they're being hired. Mm -hmm. They have to hire within the context of what's on their next, their, their development roster, what yeah. they need to offer their people for development. Yeah. And then back to your, you know, jeans and tattoos in the corporate climate, you know, they're also companies these days are challenged, especially stuffy corporate corporations, longstanding are challenged to indicate that they know how to be different and innovative, yeah. <laughs> you know, so certainly that would do, but I want to go back for a minute to you're talking about doing the public, the speaking um, gigs for free and that sort of thing. Yeah because that ties in with five-year plan that we were talking mm -hmm. about. And, you know, just one of those, you know, often leads to many more and oftentimes paid because in that audience, you know, of a hundred or 50 or 25 or 500, whatever it is, people, there's going to be at least one and usually more who will come up and say, can you speak at my church? Can you speak at my school? Can you, you know, speak at the college? And by the way, a lot of colleges have um, uh, budgets to hire people and hire programs, especially for development and um, inspiration for freshmen coming in, incoming mm -hmm. orientations and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. that's a market, you know, to look into and to pursue. Um, so that would definitely- that is, That's actually really a little bit difficult just because a lot of times the bookers, the people who are booking talent for those college organizations, they switch over every year. Ah. So you have a new person who you have to hunt down every year at XYZ University um, because, you know, they, that, per, that student decided to go on to a different role or is at study abroad or whatever, you know. So um, that's there as you are researching, like, is this idea feasible? There are those pieces, those like little roadblocks that are, that will come up that's like, oh, yikes, you know. That's not, um, that's not a, that's not something that's, un, you know, un, it is unavoidable because that's a factor, but it is a, um, it's something that I'm going to have to involve into my risk assessment of like, is this worth it for me? Um, and it's easily hireable, like get a research assistant to just stay on top of who is in charge of all these universities. You know? <laughs> it could be something like a one time a year mail out um mm -hmm. but and, and so i just made a note so we'll see if we can find a um, college talent recruiter and programs director whatever to interview so they can give us some tips from the inside so i'm glad you mentioned that but, but yeah. it's, all, it's all a part of it the journey of exploration yeah. and discovery and it's like okay so that person changes then ask that department so who should i you know what's the best way you know those are great right. right. and you know the thing is it's sort of like the for the creatives that balk at putting things out on the internet for free as well. Um, it's sort of like, where you're going to be creating anyway. You're yeah. going to be doing something anyway. And if you do put it out there. And you're going to be not paid for a long time anyway. anyway. In some cases for some yeah. things. You know, I mean, it's sort of like realtors. You know, they know that they might have to work for weeks before they actually get a sale. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes it doesn't even come from the same people that they spent so much time with. A right. lot come from the referrals that yeah. you know are easy and quick jobs so in the end that gets quicker and easier you know as the exposure gets out there mm -hmm. it's true yeah. and, and you know like exposure bucks is aren't like they aren't the greatest thing in the world you know like oh but you get paid an exposure that's not always emily Ann, did you say exposure by books no exposure bucks. Oh, exposure bucks. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like dollars. Um, it, that's not always how you want to get paid, um, but there are some situations where it it is worth it. You know, um, especially when you're starting out, which is why it's really great to have a bridge job um, or to have income square income quilt squares that are bigger that can help you, you know, like say for instance, like I've got these other income squares that I've built already that are, that are cool. They're cooking, they're doing their thing, but that's allowing me to focus on building these next things that I'm creating. Um, 
for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so important too, because you know, the, the fear and anxiety that you went through during that period of time, and even thank goodness for your entrepreneurial spirit that helped pull yeah. you through that because that can be stifling to creativity, you know, so it can really be a double whammy as far as improving, progressing or whatever that you need to do in that time. So yeah, we always recommend people not to leave their day jobs if they're in that place of seeking to do this, their creative endeavor for a living. So yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like the biggest fan of bridge jobs, by the way. There's no shame in that whatsoever. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, yeah, because like you said, the, 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 um, what did you say? What do you call it? Bucks, the freebie bucks or whatever. The exposure bucks. Exposure bucks. Like the do not bucks. put food on the table or pay the rent. So. Yeah. But they are important and they have their place, but yeah, absolutely. You need yeah. To keep that bridge. Yeah. Um, so, but back to your, um, so how is it you're earning through your compositions and is part of that Patreon and, and also where does Patreon fit in for you? Yeah, so I'm, I am, I have a presence on Patreon, but I don't actually, if somebody follows me on Patreon, I actually will like usher them into my little universe um, away from Patreon uh, because I have my own membership site and everything that has like lower processing payment fees and all that other kind of stuff. Um, as a musician, it's good to have a, like a presence on Patreon just because a lot of other musicians have that the same thing um, or are there um, there's like a social media element to that um, as far as compositions go so I have I do have patronage so I have you know there are people who are you know funding me every month um, every time I write a song I put it in a membership a portal basically and they have access to a video of me playing that new song um, and then if if I do a rewrite or an edit to the song then they get to see kind of each iteration of like oh wow cool she totally took out the bridge or <laughs> um, that kind of thing so they get to kind of see how every song morphs um, so that's really great and fun and and cheap too you know it's like two bucks a month. It's really doable. Um, uh, as, and then the other part of corp the compositions is just, you know, you just traditional um, publishing rights organizations and, you know, Spotify and streaming plays and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Right. right. So um, I, I saw one of you. It's, Sorry. it's like a, it's like a Tic Tac size square on my income yeah yeah well, you know yeah absolutely it might buy the coffee for the day kind yeah. of thing yeah it's sort of like kindle like putting your book uh, on the kindle platform or the kindle unlimited platform where it's almost free basically once you've taken out all your expenses marketing costs amazon platform basically you didn't make that much but it's there and you grow your audience with it you might be doing it wrong yeah what are you i said you might be doing it wrong if you're doing the kindle ebooks if that's the case because you can make a you can make a profit off of your your kindle ebooks yeah i wasn't saying you couldn't make a profit oh, but okay. there are also a lot of um authors who you'll see their kindle book marketed at like 99 cents so they're not they're not making a whole lot off of that particular income stream. I wasn't implying that you can't. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but that, that would just mean that that product itself is, uh, is a, is more of an opt-in or is yeah. like a breadcrumb to yeah, yeah. other pieces of the product. So yeah, yeah. definitely it's part of the customer experience yeah definitely. but you clearly know a lot about selling books as well so if you have tips on how people can do ebooks because we have a lot of authors in our tribe that publishing an actual book or self-publishing is a more expensive route for the physical but if they can get ebooks out there yeah that so would be a good strategy what tips do you have that you'd like to share in that yeah i mean i do my own graphic design so that saves a lot of money um in terms of that kind of stuff um and uh, do, do you have something specific yeah just you you said that you can make money with kindle ebooks so did you have any specific tips mm -hmm. on that? yeah 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 i would recommend um setting your ams ads at 40 percent or lower 
and uh, your average cost of sale at 40% or lower, depending on the price of your book and depending on, you'd have to do the math out correctly, but depending on like the percentage of royalties that you get for each of your books. So, because in that way, basically your AMS ads are always making a profit um, rather than just like, I think I'm going to spend $50 on like playing the Amazon lottery this month, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and then I also recommend doing, there's a lot of stuff out there on researching keywords and categories for your book and um, cycling through your keywords and your categories and changing the description of your book every 90 days. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's Ooh. great to know. That's, that's really amazing. a big help for some of the authors that we have. And when you say AMS, you're meaning Amazon Marketing Services, which yeah. is their ad program, which authors can use. Mm -hmm. promote their books yeah. so and that's just like two ideas right like yeah, yeah. there right. are many 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 other ideas as well that so. you've learned over time just by mm -hmm. working through it you know one day at a time you're right? a wealth mm -hmm. of information yeah that's fantastic <laughs> that's super helpful um on the uh you mentioned your earlier and we also mentioned your disciplined creative habits mm -hmm. based on you know your uh, they probably undoubtedly came from your classical training as well as all the time spent with your mom as a piano teacher um so what are your current creative habits that serve you most oh my gosh that's a good question you're catching me in like a i'm in a flow state right now and i'm in i'm in like flowing with business stuff right now. So um, I'm creating business right now is really what's happening, um, which I think is equally creative as anything else. Um, we agree. But I do have one of the regular things that I am a part of right now is I'm in an online songwriting group that's like invite only. And um, it's, there's only 12 people in the group. And it's a bunch of other songwriter friends of mine all around the country. And every month we have to write a song featuring the word prompt of the month. And if we don't write that song, we get kicked out of the group. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's some accountability. <laughs> oh, it's great. And then, and, and, you know, ask me to ask what today's the, 27th at the time of recording so like you'll have to ask me in three days if I finished my song um, <laughs> what's this what's, month's yeah what's the word the word is string string yeah a string yeah. like string, string. Your song, write yeah. your song. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> exactly exactly but it, it's that's been really helpful to have that accountability to just write something every month yeah. um, write a song every month but I often will write a lot more than that every month. Um, but it's nice having that accountability of like, no, you want to stay in that group because you want to hear everyone else's new songs before yeah. every, anybody else does. So it's great. Yeah. And just being immersed in people who have similar aspirations, mm -hmm. you know, to not let too much time go by before they've done what they say they want to do, what's yeah. important to them because mm -hmm. it's easy to let busyness get in the way of, you know, passions really of the things mm -hmm. that are more mm -hmm. important. You know, what do they say? Let urgent get in the way of important kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what um, on your, basically, so we've covered your, okay, here we go. The top of all the many things that you're doing of all the patches on your quilt, can you identify the top one to three things that are the most productive that if you only, you know, could focus on one to three, three of those, what that would be that's the most financially productive for you and your business? Um, bravery coaching and I'm going to say songwriting, but only because it, I see that the more that I do that, um, the more other things grow Interesting. kind of like an indirect water, this plant and the runoff waters, all the other plants kind of thing. That's a good metaphor. Uh, Sorry, were you going to say something else? Um, and then the third one would be my book, okay. or books in general. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? You said earlier. Songwriting. Yeah, no, I forgot my thought from before. Well, it'll probably come back. Um, let's see. Yeah. 
songwriting. Okay. Well, if it doesn't, so, so what, um, do you have any aspirations that you would like to share? Like where your, your vision of where you would like to go with your, um, with your creative endeavors? Um, releasing an album at the end of May to my email list. And then three months later, I'll do it to the public. Awesome. So my email list will get access to it before everybody else does. And that's kind of very exciting. And they just get it. I'm just going to send it to them. Um, just because. Yeah. And so I'm doing that right now. That's like right on my like like right here, right on my face. <laughs> like now, wouldn't, it be great, wouldn't it be great if that song could be the one that has string in it? I know, but that's, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's too far gone. That, that'll be like next recording project. The al this album that I've been, the album that's releasing right now is, has songs that I've been working on for five years. Wow. So it's taken a long time to get this album out and albums are big, huge projects. So um yeah if you're yeah. if any of your friends are doing kickstarters for their albums like go fund them because it's like a really big ordeal <laughs> are you doing a kickstarter with yours or um no because my career is not like everybody else's career so i'm yeah. doing it a little different <laughs> well like you said you already have your own platform your yeah. own email list your own membership etc so you've already got the infrastructure which you know we've also learned that really the best most successful Kickstarter campaigns are those that already have that. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it may not be where you, because the other part of that is you have to then take all the time that you're spending in developing your own business platforms and put that onto the Kickstarter uh, yeah. you know, enterprise. So it becomes yes. an enterprise in and of itself. So yeah, that's for that reason, we haven't gone that route yet either. And I did remember the question I was going to ask earlier. Oh, I saw one of the songs I saw uh, online from you was a commissioned song. Uh, from a man to, I think, his wife. And so you do commission songs as well still? Yeah, I do. I do. I love commission songs. Um, I, that, actually, that couple actually found me, is the wife found me for her husband's Christmas present. And he had built her their house. And she was like, I have no idea what to get him for Christmas because he just built me a house. Like, <laughs> so that's the song that, that came out of it. So I, it was a sweet, sweet story. And yeah. I love, I love doing commissions. That's the really, it's an honor. It's like part of the historian piece, you know, like it's an honor to me to have like that story of their relationship, like, solidified into history somehow you know yeah, well and there's i mean that's definitely a theme for you because that's what you did with mm -hmm. uh you know the your the tide what the tide is uh turning mm -hmm. yes tides turning so you know there's something there mm -hmm. and it was so clear in your portrayal of the song how much you were also really enjoying it and like the, the meaning and um oh yeah motion that you put behind it was just so present it's such an honor it's such an honor like it really is Wonderful. So people, if they want to commission you to do a song, they can find that on your website, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Please hit me up. I'm happy to like, we can talk. It's really easy. The whole process is super easy. Like it's, um, you just say, Hey, I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested in this. And then we have a conversation about it. And then I take a lot of notes. Usually it's, we do like a video conversation like this so that I can record it. Mm -hmm. if I need to go back and reference it later to when I'm writing the song. Um, but yeah, like I wrote that song for them out of a 45 minute conversation with her about her and her husband. Okay. So, That's awesome. yeah. and, what, and how cool. And you get to hear like little snippets of people's lives, which is always fun as an artist. And you're like, wow, I'm going to make you a piece of art that's part of your life and that's just so cool oh yeah it's such it's so great i love it it's so fun do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share before we say goodbye no just if you guys have any questions if anybody's watching or listening has any questions please hit me up i'm it's just me it's just me over here <laughs> all right connect you connected to the world wide web right yes exactly <laughs> all right well thanks so much for spending this time we really enjoyed getting to know you more Thank you guys. It's so great. I'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye. 
thanks so much for joining us for the I Create Daily podcast. Please let us know what creatives you would like us to interview and what topics you would be interested in hearing more about. And if you enjoyed this show, please leave a review on iTunes. We value your feedback. We read all the reviews and it just helps us get the word out on the I Create Daily podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.